Support for Podcast by Night is provided by Midnight Syndicate. To learn more, please visit midnightsyndicate.com. All Tremere, all the time, because yeah. All Tremere, all the time. Oh, give us a soul. Because <laughs> that's the way I like it. Oh, wait, no, that's the that was the salubri motto. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, it is that time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls. That's right. Sorry, that was awful, but I just had to go there. Uh, It is the one you've been waiting for. It is the one Jen and I have been dying to get to. This is also our final podcast in the Clans Major. So after this one, everybody will have, you know, at least something to do with the big big clans that they know exactly what they're trying to do, what they're going to look for, and how they're going to play it. And this time, we are definitely talking about who, Jen? Clan Tremere. That's right, Clan Tremere. All Tremere all the time. Uh, coding Clan, saving... yay! <laughs> we, you know, in our humble opinion, we are definitely saving the best for last. Uh, it it, it um, is a very gonna... humble opinion. It is. It is quite humble. But still, you know, you're listening to this, so we appreciate that. It's um, it's definitely something near and dear to our hearts. It's something that I've come to learn um, through studying the outline, reading the clan books, playing one. Yeah. That uh, that Tremere are I don't know I don't know we're gonna we're gonna cover it, but I just feel that somehow they really tap into what I personally am looking for out of like a vampire game. I mean I know we talked about this before, Jen. My first ever character was a gangrel. And I I will definitely go out and say that I chose that because of Protean, the discipline, because it was more Dracula-like. I was in high school. Uh, well, yeah. Well, uh, I can't say anything. My very first clan was Toreador. And I picked it because I was a music major and I sing. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm a girly girl who likes singing and music's awesome and stuff. And I like romance novels. <laughs> and here's my trash I passed. Sorry. You know, that that was that was my young that was when I was young. When I was a child, I felt like a child. <laughs> and I clung to foolish things. <laughs> but And that is not to downplay or insult the no, Toreador. That isn't it is just that is very true. That is a that is a thing that is true. That at certain points in your life you are drawn to those different clans. Which I'm, I'm, I hope we've covered the that idea that, that you know certain archetypes, certain individuals' mindsets are drawn to these clans for a reason. Yes, and it's not. And this is not to take away from the Gangrel or the Toreador. They are amazing clans to play. But I think you and I, when we were younger, we were at just very different places in our lives. Um, we definitely had our own perspectives walking in the door about vampire and what we wanted and how we wanted to play it. I know I was super influenced by Forever Night and, um, and so I was very much into the angst and ennui of 
like Nick and Jeanette and Tori and Toridor is right up my alley. I loved Interview with a Vampire. So, you know, Louie, Louie, you know, why are you always whining? You know, it was Toridor was the clan for me. That was how I perceived what a vampire was. Just like for you, you're like Protean. That's very Dracula. That's how you were perceiving what a vampire was. And nowhere in my worldview of vampires did I think of Tremere. No, no. That was just not in my my perspective of what a vampire could be. Absolutely. That that is something um incredible that uh, you you said that. It was like the idea of wizard vampire? What is this? Oh, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons? What? There's no spell casting in White Wolf. There's no spell casting. There's no magic. What? Magic bah. That's for those mages over there. Yeah. yeah, those guys huddling in the corner there looking all like, oh, yeah, you know what's up. <laughs> We're vampires. That's what it is. Blood, sex, and rock and roll. It's all about the dark leather and, you know, your Doc Martens and your angsty ennui. That's what it's all about. Not about, you know, wearing hoods and carrying grimoires. That's right. Goth- gothic punk. <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, I didn't know much about Clan Tremere until I moved to California and I was on our very first LARP group and our storyteller, Patrick, was like, oh my God, and here is Clan Tremere. Let me tell you, like, he was like a Tremere Jehovah's Witness. He just is like, can I share with you the good news of of your Lord and Savior, Tremere? Um, and I was like, okay. And he did, and I was converted. And uh, Clan Tremere is now my favorite clan. Absolutely, hands down, my favorite clan. It is one of the most complex clans of all the clans of vampires. They have the, the most extensive backstory of any of them. I mean, just the the they have the crazy stuff they've they've dealt with as a clan. They have more books written about them than any clan. Um, and they're a pivotal part of the overarching like mythology of Vampire the Masquerade. They play a huge part of it. And it enough so you have to wonder where did these guys come from and why do they exist? Because a little bit of a conspiracy theory is going, huh, that's on purpose and, and I, I, I want to know why. And so it, they're just a super intriguing clan. I know a lot of people are like, eh, Tremere, they're untrustworthy and they're cheesy and, and until, <laughs> until you've gotten in the dirt of playing this clan. I mean, I will admit, yes, that that is exactly the the way I thought of them as well cuz you know, my second character was a uh, Asamite. So, here I am thinking, "Oh, I've got to hate these guys." Okay. So, I, you know, I bought into all the propaganda about the Tremere. I was like for the longest time, like you said, until I moved to Los Angeles, that I had that attitude towards them. And I, and they have become my favorite clan as well, simply because of their, yes, they are more organized. They, they have a lot of rules, but as you, as you're going to learn and with this series of uh, podcasts, we're going to be doing with the Tremere, they're definitely, it depends on how you play it. It depends on how your storyteller wants to run it. Mm-hmm. But I find the Tremere to be one of the most, they are the Swiss army vampire. They are. They are. You can do anything. With a Tremere, like you, you can have that gothic punk Tremere. You can have the mopey 
goth girl in the corner who likes to paint. You can have that powerful businessman that likes to make the deal all within the auspice of this one clan that is a pillar of the Camarilla, Camarilla, Camarilla. And it's just, ah, I mean, it's, it's like, in my opinion, it's everything you want and nothing you don't. Unless you were like a hardcore Nos or um, gangrel Bruja, you know, you, you just really want to go that route. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, no, I, I, I think um, the phrase I hear about the Tremere the most often is that they are a sect within a sect. You can actually have a game that is just all Tremere and be happy. I mean, and I've played in many like little tabletop chronicles that all it was was a coterie of Tremere going and having adventures and getting into trouble. And it's amazing. It's a ton of fun. But they also do fit in nicely into our regular court game. And because of their history and because of their background and because how of the stigma that is attached to them by all the other clans, it it almost adds to the fun of playing a Tremere because you you have nothing to lose when you know nobody trusts you. So exactly, you might as well just go big baller. And with that, without further ado, let's begin at the beginning. So the Tremere, like we've said, they're they're a strange clan, dark, mysterious. Everybody thinks they've got this edge of danger to them. Uh, most people, when when people say Tremere, things come to mind traitor usurper occult uh warlock i think warlock is their actual given nickname they are a, they are mysterious on purpose but i think you know if you get to know them you you get to know the real them just always remember at sometimes that clan's going to win out over any friendship any coterie you know because of their their stricture they're also very strict and that is another thing that people think about when they say tremere oh you know rigid discipline but it kind of comes with their history. It's it's inborn. It, it's the most inborn of cultures. Like Jen said, a sect within a sect. They have their own rules for a reason. They are like this for a reason. Yeah. Um, the Tremere are a clan of mages who are vampires. Um, and because they are a clan of mages, they have a certain inborn built in baked into their DNA sort of structure uh, and focus that most every other clan lacks. The venture, the only clan who even come close. And a lot of this is born out of the fact that they are, uh, they have roots amongst a mages. So their whole setup is, it makes sense. If you know anything about mages, they're ambitious. This is a clan of, of the entire clan is an ambitious clan. The clan itself moves not just as individuals, it moves as a unit. And the unit is ambitious. What they're ambitious for at any one point in time, well, that can vary from uh from you know city to city. But their ambition has taken this group of like of mages who somehow made themselves into vampires from being these upstarts just a thousand years ago, which is a blink of an eye in vampiric terms. A thousand years ago, they didn't exist. A thousand years later, they're a pillar clan of the Camarilla. That's a huge leap in a thousand years. So obviously for the for for the kindred who they talk not in like years they talk in centuries and millennia and have histories going all the way back to the dawn of humankind 
having a group like this just show up and say, we're here, bitches. You know, you're not. Who are you? Who, where did you come from? Who are you and who are your people? Like, what are you doing here? The Tremere are just odd. They are odd and it and they are kind of scary to most other vampires because they shouldn't exist. Right. Not many people know, well, when I say people, not many among the kindred actually know their real history. Some people, I mean, you know, in game, you know, sure you've got some metagaming and that, et cetera. And unless you have actual Tremere lore, you're not going to understand their deep-seated history. And now, to understand this history of the Tremere, we have to sort of cross game lines. I mean, I know we're a, we're a Vampire the Masquerade World of Darkness podcast, but there's also this group that we've referenced before called Mages. They're from the game line Mage the Ascension. There's other great podcasts just based on that. Fantastic stuff. I'll put a link in the show notes. Go listen to it. Go listen to it. Yes, please. Spread the love. That the idea that they were mages first, they were mortal will workers that sort of inhabited this crazy world and is, is I mean, just from that starting point is kind of like, huh, okay. So, you know, you're thinking, you conjure up ideas of you know, Merlin and, you know, Morgan Le Fay, actual magic. And now for everyone who doesn't know, a mage is a human will worker. They are someone with the unique ability to actually bend and shape reality to their will. They can do seemingly improbable, sometimes impossible things that seem to just come out of their imagination. For any of you who have played mage, you understand the concept. But for those of you who do not or have not, essentially what a mage can do is they have certain gifts that allow them to manipulate reality to do whatever they want. So if I am sitting in Monrovia and I want to go see John over in Los Angeles, all I can do is I can cast a spell and use a little correspondence and bam, I'm there. I can just maybe walk through my bedroom door and suddenly I'm at John's place. That should not happen. But as a mage, I can make it happen because I want to. It's almost like a force of will. I I have the ability to make reality do whatever I want. Now, there is a lot of limitations and stuff to that. And that's all for a mage podcast. <laughs> that is not for a vampire podcast. But back in ye olden days, when um, reality was not so fixed and static, mages were pretty commonplace in the world. There were, uh, they were all over the place, especially in Europe. You know, you would have your, everyone from your like local village, uh, you know, medicinal person, um, the old lady who lives on the edge of the woods who makes the brews and delivers the babies to the people living in the castle who studied alchemy in the high arts. I mean, you had this whole gamut of people who could do magic. And then that started to change because society changed. As society changed, collective human um, understanding and awareness and perception all said, but we all collectively agree that only these things happen in certain ways and if they don't happen this way then somehow that's an aberration 
And the minute we start putting limits on perception and what can happen, that starts limiting mages. And when mages started getting limited, they started finding out that it was more difficult to do magic. And worse, the very essence of reality that they used to help help them do their magics, basically the stuff that powered their magics, was fleeing the world because the world was becoming more rigid. The magic places were starting to go away. And reality was saying, people, basically collective reality was saying, huh, it's funny, you, you shouldn't be able to do that. And because that limited their ability to do their magics, this became a, a big focal point, a big divide for the mages. And this is where Clan Tremere comes in, because this is exactly why they take the next steps that they do that lead them down the path to vampirism and the Camarilla. The mages, as a collective group, much like vampires, have their own cultures, societies, like clans, to, to put it in, a, in our context. And one of those clans or groups was called the Order of Hermes. Now, these guys were, in my, you know, from my understanding, they are the archetypical wizard throwing the fireball, flying around and... Magic wands. Magic wands. They're the guys on the tower calling down the lightning. I mean, these guys were just badass. And they had this level of study that they wanted all of their members to do. Like, it was very strict, and they strove for perfection. They tested their theories, their magical discoveries. You know, they were professionally taught. I mean, these guys had personal insight into what they were doing, and they thought they were the best. Of course, when you have that level of, you know, psh, you know, oh, look at those mages over there delivering that baby. I'm going to go over here and raise this mountain. I mean, you had, that gives you a certain level of hubris that, you know, is kind of unmatched. But because of that, I think it also gave them a level of, I don't want to say paranoia, but they were led. Oh, this is also where they get their name. They were led by the archmage Tremere. So Tremere was a person. And he well, was like ba backtrack a little bit because you were talking broadly Order of Hermes. Tremere did not lead the Order of Hermes. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So within the Order of Hermes, there were these things called houses. So again, you're getting this idea of what we were saying before about Clan Tremere having a sect within a sect. Order of Hermes had houses within their group. And one of these houses was House Tremere. Yes. So I liken the order of Hermes to a university I, because I work at a university. So it makes sense to me. At a university, you have the main university. We'll say UCLA because reasons. And, you know, at UCLA, you have different schools. You have the College of Letters and the Arts and you have the College of Engineering and you have, you know, the Anderson School of Business and uh, you have these different groups within the university and they each have their focus. And then sometimes it's even further subdivided. You know, you have the Department of History and the Department of Modern Languages. And so there's this subdivisions that go on uh, within the larger umbrella of the university so the order of hermes is a a tradition a way of doing magic and within the tradition of the order of hermes you have house tremere which was one of several houses within the order of hermes who all agreed we agree that this is the type of magic we want to do and this is the way we want to pursue it 
but our focuses might be slightly different, even though we're all part of the same academic body. That's my, that's my analogy. <laughs> Brilliant analogy. Go Bruins. No, I'm just kidding. Anybody out there, if I'm offended, forget it. I have no problem offending the Trojans out there. Sorry. Well, you actually went there, so. <laughs> Not that I'm a big USC person, but let's, I digress. So. This house Tremere, as I said, was formed around the Archmage Tremere himself. So it was, it was named after him. He was the head honcho. I mean, you know, if Faith could move a mountain, this guy could move a whole mountain range. He was that powerful. And because of their way of training, their way of their philosophy, actually, they believed that the world is an inherently dangerous place. And I mean, with no wonder, you 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 still had the equivalent of world wars, civil wars, all this kind of anything that could stop you from studying your magic. It's out there. And so they developed a way to train and prepare for any eventuality. They 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 thought, you know what, we're going to make ourselves so prepped and they were the original preppers. They were absolutely the original preppers. Absolutely. So if also if you think about them in that context, you kind of understand they had a sense of urgency, which is, again, something that those vampires that were born since times of yore do not possess. But it, I always feel that the Tremere, especially at this time, House Tremere, they were writing like they were running out of time. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. Thank you for that, Alexander. Yeah, they. this is a group that's heavily militarized. I like the prepper analogy. I think it's appropriate um, because they they it's not that they believe the fix is in. They know it. And they're they're waiting for the eventuality. It may not come today. It may not come tomorrow, but it's going to happen. And when it does, we're ready for it. So that makes them very militant. They're very militant both to their leader uh Tremere it means that they keep a sort of discipline within house Tremere about not the study of magic but also being prepared for just about anything that could happen to them either you're not paranoid if they really are out to get you but it also makes them very clannish they're extremely clannish yeah they have a hierarchy that is in an organization that is uh, unparalleled especially at this time so you know, this is the idea of we're going to get into this later, but hierarchy, think ranks or, you know, like in a military, you've got the you know corporal, captain, sergeant, all the, the different ranks in a military. So keep that in mind, too, because that's kind of how they ran things. It, it's with a military precision, but the clannishness isn't just about this, uh, this military like structure. It's the fact that as a group, they think collectively of the house first it is house first house second house third and maybe the order of Hermes a distant fourth it is everything about them is all about house Tremere and everything they do is for house Tremere and you do not do anything to endanger house Tremere it's almost like I don't know you you'll see some very elite military units who sometimes have this perspective uh, certainly, you see it in any other really tightly knit uh, club uh, or like a sorority or fraternity or feudal houses. Feudal houses had this all the time. You you always worked for the glory of your feudal house. You did not work against your feudal house. And 
so this is exactly the mentality of House Tremere that they t- that they carry with them all the time. And yes, that was at odds with some of the other houses in the Order of Hermes. And yes, some of them thought they were dangerous because of it. Not all of them. There were some other houses who were just as bad as the Tremere were. House Titalon, by by any chance, the Titan House Titalis was was just as bad as the Tremere. Only they didn't go the extra step the Tremere did. So their level of of preparedness with that sense of paranoia. They believed, and like like Jen was saying, cooperation was key. It was the idea that, that they were stronger together and they could face any sort of threat together. And it was, you know, any group that you get with an us versus them mentality can be considered a threat. And so everybody kind of watches them with a weary eye. You're like, hmm. What are they plotting over there? Because, you know, suddenly they've got all this firepower under one roof and uh, that doesn't bode well. And of course it didn't because the Tremere ambition was just huge. And they thought, hey, hey, we're doing so well over here. I think the whole order needs to be this way. Yeah, there is a, a noted of at least one failed attempt by House Tremere to take over the entire order. And because of that, they were they were actually key in at least the fall of one house. So the, obviously their ambition just was raw and naked and everyone, it was out there. They were like, yep, we don't care. Because of this raw ambition, because of this hyper-focused nature, because of this militaristic attitude, um, they in a short amount of time, they became the most powerful house in the order of hermes or at least one of the most powerful houses i wouldn't necessarily say they were the most powerful house but one of the most powerful ones and yeah that scared everybody else they're like they're tremere ambitious and they need to be put into check but and and they were they were taking down a few pegs and they thought well fine we're gonna go lick our wounds but you know we're the best and so you know they go back in their little conclave their little castle their keep they concentrate all this power and jen mentioned it before reality starts paying attention to that they're like wait a minute you guys got the equivalent of a freaking magic nuke in there i we got to do something about that and so reality starts to harden and they find that their magic isn't as potent as it once was or maybe it's more difficult to do the same things they could do with ease before and this really sets Tremere on edge. He, he notices and he's like, oh, crap, we've got to do something about this. I want to make sure that we can live forever because, you know, come on, you're a mage. You got these, all this magic floating around. They had people using magic to help extend their lives. I mean, they weren't the only ones doing it. But because of that prepper attitude, they're like, we, we have to find a solution. Yeah, I mean... Because they were using magics to extend their lives beyond their natural, normal, mortal lifespans, the moment magic starts failing and you realize you're not going to be able to keep this up for much longer, you panic. You're like, shit, we got to find some way to fix this or we're all in a lot of trouble. Especially for Tremere. Because Tremere, he was pretty old by this time. Um, Tremere's like, that will mean I die and that can mean the house falls apart and I can't have that. I mean, this is this is my legacy, you know. I mean, as ambitious as the entire house is, Tremere is the most ambitious of all of them. So yeah, nope, we gotta we gotta figure out how we're gonna keep alive and we're gonna stay alive and keep this going. Um, and like John said, 
By far, Tremere were not the only mages having this problem. Definitely, there were a lot of other mages who used magic to extend their lives, who were running into the same problem, and they were all trying to figure out how can we get around the problem of consensus? How can we do a workaround? And the Tremere, being hermetic mages, like all hermetic mages, did what they did best. They said, let's go do some research. Hit the libraries and we're going to figure this out. That's right. Go to the library, Hermione. That's my resolution for That's all right. things in life. So Tremere, being the guy that, being the you know the friendly guy that he is, he decided to take seven of his best disciples, and this is what's going to be forming the inner council coming up. And he says, "All right, guys, here's the problem. Any you know, let's do the research, hit the books, and we'll meet back here. Tell me your ideas." And there was this one guy, Goratrix. He's like, hmm. "Oh, Goratrix. Oh, Goratrix." He says, hey, boss, I got a I got a solution. You know, I've been studying these vampires on the next mountain over. And yeah, permission to um, experiment, maybe. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? I mean, they're just like these weird, hoary, strange vampires in Eastern Europe. You know, what could possibly go wrong there? So... Of course. Tremere's like, yeah, yeah, do that. That's a good idea. And so Goratrix goes over. Tell, tell us how that works out for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah, you know, if you don't make it back, I'll just fill your seat. So Goratrix says, okay, great, carte blanche. And he runs off, grabs himself a couple of chamise because that's always a good idea. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Absolutely bloody brilliant. Wait until we wait until we get to them sometime when we're doing Sabat. Mm, you'll see how brilliant that plan was. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, and he does his little hermeticness and his little alchemies. And he says, hey, he comes up with this potion. And he's like, hey, I got a potion. I got a life extending potion. It's the elixir of life, boss. Yeah. And so he presents. You know, it. I seem to remember Nicholas Flamel saying the same exact thing. Oh, yeah. Day. Oh, wait. And even that wasn't forever. So he gives Tremere the, so the, uh, the potion. And he's like, here, this is the solution to all our problems. And wouldn't you know it, it actually. <laughs> Instead of making them immortal, oh, it made them immortal, but it also turned him into a vampire. Don't! Don't! No! So here they are. I think it was just the, the council, right? Tremere and the council? Yeah, it was, it was just Tremere and his seven apprentices. And his seven apprentices that, be, that drank it to test it, you know, because they got to make sure it works. Suddenly, were they vampires? Suddenly, they, they're like, oh, crap. Now we've got all the problems that vampires have, but we have no idea what we're doing. Even worse. Even worse. Oh, what could be worse, Jen? As mages, mages are connected to the spiritual entity that that helps them with their magic. It's known as an avatar. And your avatar with only uh, those mortals who've been awakened and connected to their avatar have the ability to use their will to do magic. What happens with the with Tremere and his seven apprentices is the minute they they drink Goratrix's Shimase like concoction, they're cut off from their avatars. Oh. That means they cannot do magic anymore. They're they have the one thing, the one thing that defined them, the one thing that made them who they were, the one thing they were so desperate to preserve, they were willing to go with this cockamamie scheme, and they lost it. Because Goratrix is like, I think this sounds like a good idea. 
Oh, so yeah. So now their main claim to fame, their their mage like power is cut off from them. And yeah, I'm sure it came as a huge blow, but I mean, these are the Tremere we're talking about. Well, I will say this. I mean, if you're a group who think who are paranoid and think they're all out to get you and your main weapon is now lost to you, like what the hell are you going to do? Right, but they were smart because again, that they are. They didn't give it to the whole house. Only they took it. So they still have all their apprentices are still mages. So they say, "Okay, look, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to take this lying down. We're going to lock ourselves in this room. We're going to figure some shit out." And we're going to make this work for us to figure to understand what's going on. And so they do what they do best and they did more research. More research. But hiding out can only get you so far because, well, remember how we, Jen said the Shamaze, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, they, they kind of noticed they had some clan mates missing. The Tremere were hiding out in this castle stronghold they have called Chaos. It's in Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe is also the home of clan shimase um and they're very territorial they're a very territorial clan who do not like people coming in and messing up with their stuff oh no you don't go and kick the grass you don't let your dog pee on the lawn you don't go and mess with their stuff because if you do then they're going to come at you with giant slotches and other like horrendous like you know flesh melted monsters and come knock on your door and be like what's up motherfucker this is the mindset of this clan and that's exactly what started happening oh yeah to say that the shamaze i mean they're it's like the tremere may have been warlocks the shamaze were warlords and so they were picking on the wrong people i guess i guess they just had the bad fortune of being the nearest vampires Yes. So the Shamaze, they start laying siege. How do you, how'd you pronounce Chorus? Chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. And so they Tremere, start sieging it. they're sitting there, you know, the, the apprentices are trying to hold them off. They're like, oh, crap, we got these vampires at the gates. Ah, fireball, fireball, fireball. It's their worst nightmare. It is the it is the Tremere's worst nightmare. Because they were not prepared for this kind of onslaught, especially at, at this one little stronghold. But guess what? Goratrix to the rescue. Again, Again. basically, you should start figuring out that if Gortrix thinks this is a good idea, probably not a great idea, but whatever. (laughs) But whatever. You know, you got the vampires at the gates and and Tremere's like, yes, whatever. We'll we'll do it. If it'll help, we'll do it. And so he comes up with this crazy idea, probably because of his studying with the Shamaze, to create gargoyles. Now, gargoyles are kind of what you think. I mean, they come out all gray-skinned and everything, and they are the protectors, the servitors of the Tremere, or, or at least they will be, but right now they're just still kind of protectors of Chaoris. Think sort of how um, in Underworld, how they treated the Lycans. Well, worse than that. So gargoyles, yeah, sure. They're they're like, you know, they're like Disney animated series gargoyles, <laughs> um, but not nearly as smart. They're this, okay, you really have to stop and think about what a gargoyle is. So Gortrix's creation of gargoyles, it's not just like, here, here's a stone statue and I make it come to life. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. What Gortrix did was he created a, a means, a magical method 
a ritual that allowed for a weird, unholy amalgamation of vampires. And basically, it's like, I took a a gangrel and I took, like, a Nosferatu and I threw him in a pot and ba-bam! We have a gargoyle. Hey, and this one, we're going to throw a and a gangrel in the pot. And look, we got another gargoyle. You're basically cutting up and mutilating vampires and putting them back together in weird configurations to make make gargoyles. It's really, really gross. But That's what gargoyle is. I know, but they were effective. They were effective. They were very effective. They were very effective, and the, and they caught the Shamaze by surprise because here we because they only had their you know sh- flesh crafted abominations to sort of be living battering rams, and now suddenly the Tremere have these hybrid tough as hell gangrel nos Shamaze things that were probably a little more well they were bigger than human size, but they were faster, stronger, tougher. Than what they could keep throwing at them, and I th- right, Jen. They were also they were vampires themselves. Yeah, they're vampires. So they had the the innate toughness and you know natural abilities of a vampire, and the Shamaze. I don't think their Shlacha are. I mean, you could pretty much do some mass damage to one of them, and they'll go down. Mm, yeah, but those they're they're mean motherfuckers. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying it's like a, a couple of you know. Heavy gargoyles could take one of them on, no problem. Uh, depends on your slasha. <laughs> well, you got to be that way about gargoyles. Well, because uh, I've played some mistakes. So. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Typical. Okay, so, but anyway, Gortrix's plans works, and they help fend off the, the horrible fiends that are attacking the Tremere and allow them to survive a few more nights, and so this just buys them time. This buys the Tremere time that they need. Uh, yes, this buys them time. And so, meanwhile, knowing that uh, the house philosophy is to unite and strengthen numbers when they hit a crisis like this, what they did was the seven disciples of Tremere, who all got turned into accidental vampires, they started to go and secretly and surreptitiously embrace the other members of House Tremere. Not all at once. They would take like a one or two or maybe a group of them and they would embrace them and then they would make them vampires. Uh, then they may make another group of like two to three or maybe five or six into vampires. And so it's a slow attrition of House Tremere making them from being mages to vampires. But a problem started to arise because two of Tremere's um, students, two of his apprentices, Atreus and Goratrix, were starting to argue over basically the philosophy of how they wanted to do it. Goratrix being, as you can t- already tell from Goratrix, from what we've seen of him thus far, Goratrix is all about doing it fast and getting it over with, you know. Let's just do it. Let's just go, go, go. You know, screw uh thinking about this or maybe you know considering what the the our options are or if this is even a good idea well let's just do it get it done get it over with make it fast make it clean atreus on the other hand was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa hold up hold up let's carefully select those who would we feel would be the most obedient and least likely to rebel and uh, against this 
And because obviously this is going to be huge change. You're taking mages and taking their magic away from them. Many of them might not even agree to do this. And if we do it against their will, then they can turn against us. And that is absolutely against the Tremere ethos. So Etrius is like, let's just take the most obedient ones and we'll make this a careful process of conversion. And that way we can ensure that though everyone we bring into our little secret society of vampires is on the same page and they're all buying into it. And so the two of them start squabbling over this, as Etrius and Gortrix were wont to do, and it threatened a division pretty early on between among the Tremere over, uh, like, how are we going to bring everybody else into the, our vampiric fold? And Tremere himself was the one who quickly shut that shit down. He laid down the law and said, look, I got a plan. And so his plan was to gradually convert the house along and bring them all into the fold but also to build up a hierarchy within this new vampiric order of uh that they were creating where that would help keep everyone in line and give them the same discipline that they were used to as mages this order would eventually become known as the pyramid because the way the order is pretty much shaped is you have Tremere at the top and then you have different rule different layers hierarchy and of control within the clan so there's always somebody above you you have to answer to so very much like the military where you have your top generals at the at the very tippy top and the president is at the absolute top but underneath them you have your rank and file and this is the plan that Tremere came up with for how to build his clan of vampires and make no mistake it was always for Tremere his clan of vampires just like it was his house of mages in order to facilitate this he also blood binds the seven co-conspirators in this crazy plan so that they are bound in obedience to him and this makes them inherently loyal to Tremere and this also begins a tradition that would be the bedrock of Clan Tremere itself, and that even into the modern nights, when a Tremere is created and brought into the clan, they are at least partially bound to the seven who are bound to Tremere. And by doing this, they're able to create this mystical bond amongst all the Tremere that keep them loyal to the clan and, by extension, loyal to Tremere, and keeps everybody in line and in lockstep in this hierarchy, um, which in Tremere's mind would keep the clan strong and hale, and they wouldn't have the divisiveness that could lead to their downfall, especially in these early years when it was just crazy and you had all these threats against you and they weren't strong and powerful. For Tremere, in his mind, we need to keep as solid as possible else they will just chip us away and destroy us. You know, and obviously it works because it has persisted into the modern nights. But before you could get there, you had to even figure out where you were going to be as a brand new Cainite. Cainite? Right. Cainite. Even though you're not of Cain, but that's a whole other thing. Kindred. Kindred. We're going to, as a brand new kindred in this society. It's a little before the term kindred. Okay. As, as a vampire. While they were laying the, the groundworks for the pyramid, for the clan, Tremere was like, you know what? We're going to keep embracing our house slowly but surely. 
and I'm going to send out a few people to figure out, you know, let, let's get a lay of the land of the, of, of the other vampires, the Canites and their society. We only know a little bit. We, we know that the Shamaze don't like us. What, is, what else is out there? He wanted an expeditionary force to figure out what else was out there in Canite society. And so he had a few people infiltrate a few courts, learn the games of their politicking, because they had to find a way to sustain, to make a sustainable defense against the Shamaze if this was going to keep being a problem. Yeah, and it soon became clear that one of the main difficulties the Tremere were going to have with all the other vampires out there was that they weren't considered to be a clan. No, they were actually considered a bloodline of the Shamaze. Yeah, they and and in reality at as, at that time at least, they actually that actually was what they were. They were just a bloodline of 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 Shimase. They were um, an offshoot. For most vampires, they're like, "What the hell is this thing?" You know, they were they had somehow accidentally made themselves into vampires, which was completely unheard of to any other vampire. They were like, "How how is that even possible?" But the Tremere had one thing going for them that made them very intriguing to the other clans. And that was the fact that they had somehow unlocked the key to blood magic. Yeah, all that research paid off. Sure did. So blood magic is not unknown among vampires. Um, there are several clans that, per- that have a form of blood magic. Um, there have been vampiric sorcerers pretty much from the dawn of vampires. But few of the blood sorcerers were in the so-called high clans of the courts of Europe. Uh, most of them you would find amongst the Shimase, among the Asamites, uh, the followers of Set. These were all clans that were on the outsides of vampiric polite society. They had none in the politer courts of Europe that could do blood magic. And so it was very intriguing to those Venture and Toreador that, hey, there are these vampires who can do it. Especially because they feared the vampires on the edges of society who could do sorcery. That They were strange and weird and foreign and they were on the edges of all polite and good and nice things. So if we can find some people who can do it themselves and maybe get them to work for us, maybe that's to our advantage. The other aspect of this is that while the Shimase and the Setites and the Asamites could all do a form of blood magic, none of them could do the things that the Tremere could do. None of them could do the variety of things or the type of things that the Tremere could do. And the fact that the Tremere were in such a short time had figured out how to do a kind of magic that was as powerful as what they were doing. That was massively effective in, um, in convincing the other vampires of the courts of Europe that, Hey, Tremere might, you know, they might be weird and strange and usurpers, but they might be useful, weird, strange usurpers. <laughs> they may help, they may benefit us in the long run. Right. Because remember, when the Tremere were House Tremere of the Order of Hermes, they had, a, they already had a lot of that genteel training. They, they already understood how the courts of Europe worked how the the you know britain france everywhere you think of when you think of europe they already knew how that what that world was they also understood how strange and unusual the eastern european vampires could be or because you know firsthand especially but the setites and the asamites they were those saracens from across the sea they were they were the levantine strangers that 
that, that, that we know nothing of their strange ways. And so it sort of, like Jen said, gave the courts of Europe a little bit more of a, oh, man, why, don't, why don't we listen to what the Tremere have to offer? Because if they can come up with a magical means of dealing with them, you know, we could be on to something. We could have a mutual understanding. And it's through that understanding of the mystical arts and their abilities as mages that the Tremere were able to ingratiate themselves. They, they could flaunt that knowledge that no one else seemed to have in, in the courts of the vampires of Europe and use that to their advantage. Just because they ingratiated themselves didn't mean they were respected. I mean, pff, you no. know, <laughs> I, I can have a, a court alchemist, but that doesn't mean that he's going to sit at the high table and eat with me. I mean, pff, he's still a servant. So that the Tremere were like, we got to remedy that double quick because they may find us useful, but they don't respect us and we want them to respect us. And so Tremere thinks he he discovered a way to do that. Right. Because what do the other clans have that that Tremere, the clan Tremere don't? They have an antediluvian. Right. A founder. They had a clan founder. Who was of the third generation? Who was a who was a grandchild of Cain? Who was this powerful, you know, all-knowing, terrifying old vampire that nobody had seen, and you know, who knows how long? But we know they existed. They existed, and for clans like the Venture in particular, who were so punctilious about bloodlines. You know, you for the you know venture, you have to know your entire bloodline going all the way back to like Mithras or some other fourth generation vampire. The Toreador, who are you know could claim to have known art and beauty and culture all the way back to the first city of Cain. You know, these clans had ancient ancient roots that they used to kind of bolster their authority, and the Tremere had none of that. So Tremere's like. Well, if they feel like we need to have a third generation vampire as our progenitor, well, pff, let's go fix that. And so what did he do? What, what do Tremere's do best? They hit the books again. Hit the books. And Tremere himself at this point, he, he was like, you know what, guys? I, I got this. You, you just back me up. And he went around and he talked to all the different historians of the other clans. He did his due diligence. He listened to the stories. He found the histories of all the other vampires. One thing he discovered, uh, other than the you know the idea of diablerie and everything else that went along with it, he thought that that was going to be his key to becoming the founder. And how do you do that? Well, you got to go find an antediluvian. And then you have to diablerize them. And he's like, oh, well, how hard can that be? He's like, hey, gang girl, tell me about your fa- Oh, oh, he just can rip your head off from a distance. I won't go over there. Okay, what about, you know, he just went down the line and he's like, okay, everybody kicks ass except, wait, who's this Salat guy? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So Salat is the, is the antediluvian for a very small and little known clan called the Salubri. And we haven't, we haven't talked about them yet because, like I said, they're very small and little known. And Salat was supposed to be, according to all the legends, this healer, this mystic, this very gentle soul who, you know, was beloved of Cain and, 
You know, he just sounded like an all-around just nice guy. The kind of guy that if you're looking for an antediluvian who you might be able to munch on, um, Salat might be your first choice. Yeah, I mean, how hard can it be? The guy's, uh, you know, he's a hippie. What kind of fight is he going to put up? Make peace, not war, baby. That's right. And also, compared to all the other antediluvians, he was the, the most harmless, in, I'm quotes, air quoting, most harmless of them. So he's like, you know what? That's the target. That's the guy. Now I gotta, all I got to do is find him. Yeah, and that's easier said than done, because by this point, even a thousand years ago, most of the clan founders had disappeared like ages before. No one knew where any of them were. Um, you might hear rumors of Hakim or Malkov, but no one, no one knew where any of their clan founders were. And so you had to do some digging and do some research. And apparently Salat decided Turkey sounded like a great place to go hang out. Was that it? But he just found... He just went like, hey, he's in Turkey. Let's go get him. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, Tremere's like, hey, guys, I found him. Let's go, you know, let's go truck over to Turkey. Uh, you know, a couple of you guys stay here, watch over the uh, apprentices, keep the home fires burning, and we'll be back. And so, they they do. They find him. And, and like, at this crypt, you know, it's still, there's probably stories upon stories of how this actually occurred. But Tremere went in, saw him lying there in repose and said hey so this is the- salat all right and he diabolized him simple as that sucked but him not dry. necessarily sucked him dried clear down to his soul but as you said john not necessarily as simple as that because as soon as he'd done it bam tremere drops into torpor and whoever went with him were like whoa okay let's get the boss and get back to get back to the base because that we didn't expect that yeah i mean I don't know what they expected, frankly, <laughs> but right. um, but I, they did not expect that Tremere would just go bam and and fall into a deep, deep torpor estate. Then they're like, "Oh crap! Now what do we do?" So they're taking Tremere back to Chaos and and then trying to figure out how do you continue Tremere's plan when he's in an Odin sleep, essentially. Um, <laughs> And how do you keep the clan together and how do you, you keep this all going without having Tremere alive and, and well, he's alive, but having Tremere awake and calling the shots. And so basically the seven apprentices who were in on the scheme with him decide that they are going to um, create a inner council and that this group would be the leaders of the clan. Even though Tremere is the actual leader in name, they're the ones who are doing the day-to-day, well, excuse me, night-to-night operations for the clan. So they become the new leaders of the clan, even though technically, in their minds, they still all answer to Tremere. Well, as you might expect, the death of a founder, an antediluvian, doesn't go unnoticed. (laughs) No. So... You've got the poor Tremere, poor Tremere. Oh, poor them. First of, first off, they piss off the Shamaze by, you know, having their people stolen and making some poor potion of immortality. Now you've gone into the courts of Europe. You're like, hey, we're good guys. Oh, we need a founder. We'll be right back. Oh, we're back. Wait, what? What do you mean we're murderers and usurpers? What? No, no. Salat, he was, um, guys, help me out here. They, they the courts do not take kindly to the death of a founder. No. And so again, 
the Tremere are up against a wall. They're like, oh, crap. We, we really stepped in at this time. You know, thanks, boss. It seems like <laughs> the Tremere are the classic case of, in order to fix this one problem, I create five other problems. And oh, yeah. Yeah. And wait, I fixed those problems. Now I've created 10 other problems. This is this is the entire Tremere MO, especially in these early years. Well, and this is one of the reasons why they're my favorite, because you know, I know for a fact in my personal life, um, my philosophy is not, you know, I better get a ladder because I'm digging a hole. No, no. If I'm digging a hole, I'm just going to keep on digging because I've got to come out the other side sometime. That's a very Tremere philosophy. It and really, that's a very Tremere philosophy. It really, like, really is. That's right. Just keep going because you'll come out the you come out the other side at some point. Well, to add insult to injury, not only are all the courts of the vampires like, what did you do? Now the Order of Hermes has caught on to what's been happening because now Uh-oh. they're well aware and the jig is up. So they decide to formally cast the Tremere out of the Order of Hermes. And so anyone who was still a true mage and a Tremere was kind of caught in the crossfires because now you have to choose. Do I or do I abandon my house and go and stay with the Order and and repudiate the Tremere or do I go and join a bunch of vampires doing crazy shit over there in casting the Tremere out of the order of Hermes the order began to raise armies to now go and attack the Tremere and because they declared them anathema and they must be destroyed so this now just puts a little extra fire under the boiling pot that the Tremere seem to have found themselves in at this point and so um, they've re- figured out we're going to have to work fast to ensure that we will be protected. So thanks to the efforts of Mirlinda, who is one of the seven, they um, she began working, basically kind of massaging the, the vampire courts of Europe. She began playing a little politics. And so she, um, she, would base, she was beginning to try and entrench the Tremere in each of these courts to make them valuable, to make them, especially because of their magical expertise. Once she could sell a powerful prince on, on the idea of you can have an entire clan of blood mages here who can just do whatever you want, whenever you want, that makes them valuable to other princes. And so the princes then are like, well, if I'm going to throw this investment into these guys, sure, they have a shady past, but I can get over their shady past because they can uh, shoot fireballs at my enemies. Um, I'm willing to give them protection. And once Merlinda starts doing that, this gives them a, a measure of protection, at least against the worst of the derision from the other vampires now as for the mages that's a whole other problem but that at least tempers one of the of the fires that they have going on that and it it doesn't put it out completely as you can see and because uh, they will always forever have this reputation but it at least stems it enough that they can get on their own two feet with the vampires without having to like fight a war on two fronts but they still have the stigma because, hey, dude, you just killed Sala. You just killed this clan founder. That's a crime. That's horrific. What were you doing? Um, so they have to come up with a justification like, oh, of course we killed Sala because you know what? He, you all think he was a nice guy, but actually he was pretty bad. He was really bad. You guys didn't know it, 
but he was bad. He was infernal. Yeah, didn't you guys get the uh, the copy of Ye Old TMZ? Ye Old TMZ says Salop be hooking it up with the demons, yo. Soul stealing and all that shit. I mean, did you ever look in his forehead? There is an eye there. Yeah. A third eye, man. A third eye. A third eye right in the middle of his forehead. That's not right. That's obviously. That's got to be demonic. That's obviously clearly. the mark of a devil. That's right. I mean, and then, of course, obviously, if he was infernal, then all of his all of his children have got to be infernal, too. Right. We can all agree on that. Right. So, um, I mean, I, I, they seem so gentle. I know they seem so gentle and nice. They're just gentle, nice healers, but that's what they want you to think. That's how they corrupt your souls. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And, but lo and behold, it, it started to work its way into society, but since it was really fresh at that time, not a lot of people bought it. So even though no one liked the Tremere, they definitely tolerated them. They gave them some. They gave them refuge from the Order of Hermes. They they started to actually succeed. This is kind of like where the 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 clan starts to see the light because they're they're starting to kind of ingratiate themselves into these other cities, into these other towns, these courts, and they're finding the shelter that they've that they've needed all along. And things start to kind of look up. Yeah, and and I wouldn't say that. The other groups didn't buy it. They absolutely, I, I would say this, they did not buy it about the salubrity. <laughs> didn't. Well, I mean, it, yeah, any way to get one up on somebody. What the Tremere actually started doing was saying, you know, the salubri can't trust him because Salat, he was infernal. That's why we had to kill him. I mean, we're mages. We know a thing or two about this mystic shit. And people were like, that sounds shady to me, but. You know what? I don't know much about mystic shit. So, um, you know, okay. And it wasn't exactly like the Salubri were super beloved. At least not. They, I would say it's less that they weren't beloved. It was much more they weren't useful. So if you have a Tremere who can do blood magic, who can, and who, and that's valuable to you compared to a salubri who is peace loving and like saying prayers and, you know, um, healing people, which is much more valuable to you. Well, obviously it's going to be the Tremere who can boil people alive with their own blood. That is going to be much more valuable to you than the salubri. So when the Tremere was like, huh, well, you know what? I think that we should just maybe uh, hunt down the, the salubri and remove them because we all know they're demon tainted, right? We can all agree they're demon tainted. Everyone's like, meh, okay. You know, they were going, they were willing to go along with the Tremere party line. I wouldn't say it was necessarily because they believed it, but it was much more of, well, you know what? You're more valuable to me than they are. So we'll we'll go along with it. And just, however you feel you need to justify it. Okay, whatever. Sure. They're, demon, they're demonic. We all know they steal souls with that third eye. And this is where the salubri, the rumors, the taints on the salubri reputation comes from. It's from Clan Tremere covering up the tracks of their crime. They justified the crime they did by saying, oh, it was because they were totally demonic. And we'll find out um, someday when we actually get to Salubri. It's a much more complicated story than that. Always is. Always is. Yeah, the Tremere began to aggressively hunt down the Salubri and kill them. And to the point that they are 
absolutely one of the rarest clans that you will find in modern knights. You'll find them more in the Sabbat of all places than you will anywhere. But um, yeah, they they hunted them down like dogs. As far as the war with the Order of Hermes goes, the, the short and short of it is that the Order of Hermes, the human mages, didn't quite expect the Tremere to be so adept and capable at defending themselves as they are or were. And so that just sort of, you know, they've reached some stalemates here and there. It's, it's a war that is sort of still going. They've, they've, they've battled it ever since. And, but obviously, Clan Tremere has, they're, they're still here, they've survived, and they're thriving. So uh, the Masasa War, which is what the mages and the Tremere call it, um, it's uh, kind of like the Cold War, where every so often you have hot spots, but for the most part, it's just ongoing, long running, has never ended for a thousand years. They do not like each other. They do not like each other. If a hermetic mage comes across a Tremere, there, there's going to be gun. There's going to be some guns drawn. It, there's going to be punches thrown. There's going to be spells th- flying through the air because they do not. The, I mean, the hermetic mages see them as traitors. The Tremere just don't care. <laughs> They're like, well, yeah, we pretty much just, you know, screwed you. But that's what it takes to survive in this world. Them's the breaks. That's the Tremere mindset. So they do not get along. And that's always fun because the Tremere are like, well, we have to keep the the vampires happy because if we don't, then the mages are going to come kill us. So, you know, that's always fun. And so by the time the Renaissance rolled around, and, and just think about that, though, we're now at the Renaissance. All that other stuff we just talked about was prior to this. So you got to kind of keep in mind that how quickly things moved for the clan. Yeah, I mean, I think the the whole Tremere conversion bit happens circa like a th- you know, like around a thousand. So when you think like ten sixty six, that's the year William the Conqueror invades England. That's that's like the the progenitor of all the modern kings and queens of England. That's how long ago the Tremere became vampires. And so between then and the Renaissance, it's only like three or four centuries that's a that's a blink for a vampire they they all of that all the story we just told you only happened within three or four centuries and that is a short amount of time to get a lot of work done but again that's kind of what the Tremere do yeah and so by this time the they are now recognized as a full-on clan everybody's kind of buying the story about Salat and they're like yeah okay the Salubri yeah they're just a you know an old vampire's tale but the Tremere being who they are, there's still really no time to rest. They're, you know, they're not, they think, oh, phew, you know, we're a clan now. We've got inroads in here. The Salubri thing's dying down. But no, there's all kinds of problems. And this one, like, you know, the Inquisition, the Inquisition rears its ugly head. And here you are, a vampire magic user. Oh, crap. Yeah, so... The Inquisition, I mean, the Tremere are pretty much everything the Inquisition doesn't like. Um, and they hit many of their key chantries and they begin burning them down. And for the Tremere, that's a loss of manpower. And worse, it's a wor- loss of knowledge. Um, because what do the Tremere do when the, when the shit gets real? They hit the books. Mortal hunters really began to focus on the Tremere because they're kind of an obvious target. Not only are they vamp- are they vampires, they're magic vampires. So 
Ding, ding, ding. Hey, go, go, go for those guys. Any Inquisitor that's trying to hunt down the devil and witchcraft, all they have to do is follow the knowledge. Like, like Jen said, you know, all those books and all the occult stuff, don't think they didn't keep tabs on it. So if they can follow, like, you know, go to ye olde used bookstore and they find um, Nicholas Femel's, you know, treatise on the Philosopher's Stone and they're like, hey, why is that really pale guy reading that scroll? Hmm, I'm going to follow him. So, yeah, obvious target. Yeah. So Goratrix, who, as we have seen, is a he all the best plans come from Goratrix. <laughs> all, all the best. Ones. Oh, he's a he's a mastermind, that guy. <laughs> yeah, clearly it's worked so well so far. Um, Goratrix decides I'm going to use my influence in the Inquisition and try to turn the Inquisition against my enemies. Because that sounds like a plan. Rather than have them focus on me, I'll just turn them against those guys. So um, his plan, of course, as we have, as is the pattern with many of Gortrix's plans, um, his plan fails spectacularly. And when it, it, it got revealed, it all came out. And Tremere woke up. Now, mind you, Tremere has been asleep since he diabolized Sala. It had to be a massive fuck up for him to wake up and go, Gortrix, we gotta talk. I mean, it was bad. And uh, he called Gortrix to him. And he strips Gortrix of all of his authority. Uh, much to the delight of Etrius, who was like, Neener, Neener, you had it coming to you. Ha ha ha. Um, so Gortrix now is stripped of everything. And so he flees into Eastern Europe. And, you know, of course, now he's bitter and angry about all of it. And so he gathers around him his own followers, people who were for one reason or the other, their Tremere who resented a lot of the of the impositions of being a Tremere. Either they didn't like the hierarchy or maybe they didn't want to ever be embraced but got forced into it. Or maybe the vampire life wasn't what they thought it was. Or hey, I miss being a true mage. What have you. They did not want to fit into the hierarchy of Clan Tremere. They wanted out. So they go with Gortrix and they run away into the east. And again, and they don't really resurface in polite vampiric society till much later when you find them in the ranks of the Sabbat. Then who does that leave to be in charge? Uh, Etrius, because he got to go neener, neener. That's right, because he's like, Gortrix, buddy, thank you very much. Thanks for playing. Bye-bye. And he says, don't worry, Tremere, I got your back. And they pack up the, what, how does the Beverly Hillbillies go? They packed up the truck and they moved to Vienna. Yep. So for centuries, they've been in Kairos, which is this huge mountainous castle fortress in Eastern Europe. But obviously, Gortrix has the number of that place and he can't be trusted anymore. And the Shimasei just love attacking it. And the Order of Hermes knows where it's at. And so instead, Atreus is like, how about we just leave and we'll build a beautiful new chantry in this up and coming city called Vienna. And we can control Vienna all we want because it's up and coming. And we can just settle down, set down stakes there, begin again. And this is where the main chantry of Clan Tremere would be established. And this is, becomes the center of Tremere power and knowledge going forward through the centuries. Yeah, the clan, they rise to prominence. They're finally getting that recognition they deserve. And then a certain event comes up where they really, truly cement their usefulness 
their power among the other vampires. It's it's called the Convention of Thorns. Yeah, so we've discussed the Convention of Thorns previously. Um, this is this was a big event in the formation of the Camarilla, basically kind of bringing to an end a lot of the conflict with the Anarchs, who didn't much love the fact that the powerful elders who control most of vampiric society were using them as bait to the Inquisition. Eventually, all sides, they were able to bring all sides to the table at Thorns, which was this uh, place in England. And at this convention, while they're talking about it, one of the sore subjects that got brought up was Clan Asamite. Now, Clan Asamite have a cast, as we discussed in our Asamite episodes. Go back and take a listen. Um, they have a cast known as the Warriors. And as far as European vampires knew, that was what an Asamite was. They didn't really know about the other two casts. And the Warriors have been using the chaos of the Inquisition and the Anarch revolts to go willy-nilly. And they were taking out assassination contracts on vampires and drinking vampiric blood and just all sorts of craziness. And this scared the shit out of most every elder because these Asamites are coming to get us. They're coming to get us, these these furners. They're coming to get us. And they saw them as a huge threat. And the Asamites were not going to back down. They were not going to give in. They were not going to surrender. They were not going to sign on the dotted line of the Convention of Thorns. So somehow they had to bring the entire group to heal. And so the powerful princes of the Camarilla went to Clan Tremere and said, look, here's the Asamites. We know they're a threat. How, how do we take care of the threat? How, how can we neutralize them? And the Tremere are like, wait a second. I think we have an idea. So the Tremere pool their knowledge and they come up with a ritual. And meanwhile, Clan Nosferatu, who are the, the sneaky spies of the Camarilla, we're able to do a little reconnaissance, all Star Wars style, like very like Rogue One. You know, you send that group in to go find out the plans to the Death Star. Um, that's exactly what the Nosferatu did. They found the plans to Alamut, which is the mountain that the Asamites, the mountain fortress the Asamites call home. The hidden fortress. It is a hidden fortress. And the Nosferatu found it and they snuck in and they figured out a way to get in there so that they could get the Tremere in to cast this ritual. And what this ritual did was it meant that uh, it made it that Asamites could no longer drink vampiric blood. It would become acidic and poisonous to them. Which seriously debilitated them, especially because so much of, especially what the warriors were doing, uh, but even their blood mages, Asamite blood mages required huge amounts of blood to be able to do some of the things that they were doing. And so now they're, they're crippled. They, they, the, the one thing they needed to be able to do the thing, things they were good at, they're without because to ingest, to ingest vampiric blood would kill them. And that basically brought the entire clan to heal. And Clan Tremere was the one who did it. And that secret didn't stay very secret very long. So Clan Asamite was like, we will hate you forever. You are our enemies. We, there, is, there will be for, a perpetual enmity between your blood and our blood. And the Tremere are like, yeah, we're used to that. Not, you're not the only ones who said that. Get in line. So... 
this would become a huge boon for the Tremere in terms of the Camarilla because the minute they did that, the Camarilla is like, wow, the fact that you were able to bring an entire clan to heal with just a ritual? What the what? Holy crap. Who are these Tremere? All right. They, this catapults them from being this, these like weirdo low, low clan who like diabolize clan founders it catapults them from that to being a high clan and a big time player in the Camarilla overnight. They are now considered a political tour de force in the Camarilla, just pretty much with that ritual. And also sets them forever in conflict with clan Asimite, who pretty much have never forgiven them. Well, and there you have it. That's sort of the hard and fast Tremere history lesson of how this wonderful clan came to be. Um, as you could definitely tell, they are not without their trials and tribulations. They have had setback after setback, but the idea, another thing that is at the cornerstone of the clan is that they persevere. They yeah. push through. They find a way to win. If not win, survive. And their clan motto is, by our will, we will conquer. That is, that is the mindset of Clan Tremere. And as you can see from this early history, that is basically what they've done. And so the first few centuries of the Tremere has just been, you know, whatever it takes, we're going to, whatever it takes, we are willing to do it, which is both admirable and frightening. And it also is kind of deplorable because it, that means that they're very, the clan as a whole tends to be very ruthless and uh, which makes them a very interesting clan in the modern nights, which we will be getting into next episode. That's right. All right. Well, we both hope you very much enjoyed this first in the series of Clan Tremere. And please stay tuned because there's much, much more to come. All right. I have been John. I'm Jen. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. Bye. 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 And if you want to get a hold of us, Outside of our normal podcast hours, you can find us at Podcast by Night on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at By Night Podcast, or you can email us with any questions, thoughts, uh, opinions, you know, anything you want to communicate to us. You can do that at Podcast by Night at gmail.com.